All right. Good morning, everyone. It is. Uh, it's lovely to be able to to share with you for a few moments this morning. My name's Ian. If I haven't met you before, uh, and I serve here in uh, in this fellowship, and I've been doing that for just over eighteen months. One of the real privileges of, uh, of the role that that I have here is uh, is to be involved in people's lives in those uh, those significant moments, those those big those big moments. So in the summer. Um, it was uh, wonderful to be a part of uh, uh, when people getting married, to be a part of their, of, their, of their day together as we celebrate them getting married. And then towards the end of the summer, uh, we had that wonderful time where um, folks were being baptised, and it was wonderful to be a part of that as well. Uh, and then it seems uh, more recently that this has, has been a little bit of a, of a season of funerals. I had the funeral uh, just on Friday for Kenneth, and we have uh, the Queen's funeral tomorrow, and then we have Shirley's funeral on Wednesday, and uh, and they've they've all sort of come together at the same time. And funerals are hugely significant things, hugely important uh, events in our lives, opportunities for for family and friends and relatives, connections to come together. And to, to grieve together, to remember, to, to laugh, to cry, to share, and to walk through that season together. And one of the aspects of a funeral service, which is, which is really significant, which is um, beautiful but, but challenging, is where somebody will stand up, a friend or a relative will stand up, and they'll share a little bit about the person who's passed away. Perhaps not loads and not, not, not every detail, but we'll perhaps share a few, couple of stories. Maybe sharing the, the person's sense of humour or just what made them tick. And there's this, this moment where we, we, we kind of remember and we, we share together. Over the last few days, we've heard uh, several stories from people who, who knew the Queen or who met her once or interacted with her as people have shared stories about what the Queen was like or their their kind of experience with her. And that's been quite significant and often quite moving. Um, one that I heard um, fairly recently, uh, maybe you read this one as well, of a, of a neighbour told the story, somebody who lived close by the Queen. And every Sunday uh, he would see the Queen would be driven off as she went to church. And, uh, and he, was, he was a runner. He would often be out on a Sunday morning going for his run. And uh, he saw the Queen, but he never suspected that the Queen would have seen him. And one Sunday, as, uh, as uh, uh, he's out running, the Queen is going to church again. He uh, has a problem with his shoes, he has a problem with his training, and he's, he's on his knees trying to, to kind of fix his footwear. And the Queen uh, sees that he's on his knees and so asks the driver to pull over. And they pull over and they ask, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. I've just just problem with my shoes. Got a problem with trainers. Got a problem here with the, with the sole on my shoes. And the queen says, I have a problem with my sole as well. And that's why I'm heading to church this morning. And, 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 it, and it's stories uh, like that. It doesn't tell you everything about the queen. But it gives you an insight into a little bit what she's like. A, a lady who lived a life totally different than any of us live. 
but even in that, even in that uh, difference, we recognise that she had a faith in the King of Kings, and that she wanted to share that, and that she saw people in and around her. And it's stories like that that give us an insight into the person. This morning sees us very gently start the, the beginning of a new sermon series. And, uh, and we have been in Luke's gospel following uh, the Lord Jesus. We're starting something a little bit different now called Encountering God, where we're going to be looking at different parts of the scriptures, different parts of the Bible. To, to, to see how God relates to people as we start to think about what is God like? What is his character like? How does he relate to people? Uh, just as an aside, the Sunday school are looking at the same thing. They're looking at the character of God as well. And so if you're wondering what to ask the children, uh, uh, you know, as we have a coffee or as they try and zoom past you, ask them what have they been learning about the character of God this week? And we're going to say to them that they can reply to you with the very same question. What have you been learning about the character of God this week? Because we're a family. We want to learn together. We want to move forward together. And just like the stories of someone's life told at a funeral, don't tell you everything but give you an insight into what the person has been like. So we want to look into the scriptures and, and see what God is doing, see how he relates to people, to see what he's like. And to learn more about him and to be drawn closer to him. We're in John chapter 11 this morning. That's where we're going to start. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll look at a few other things as, as the sermon goes on, as the series goes on. But in, in, in light of everything, we're going to start in John 11. And we're going to look at a God who brings new life. Just as we begin, let me remind you of a couple of things that John says towards the end of his gospel, which is going to help us as we study John 11. Right at the end of John's gospel, he says this. Verse 25 of chapter 21. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. So John is saying that he's not writing everything that he can remember about Jesus down. He's just, he's just going to give us some things. He's just going to give us a selected few accounts under the guidance and authority of the Holy Spirit. Because if we, were to, if we try everything down, there wouldn't be enough room in the world for all the books written. Because in one sense, my analogy breaks down because at a funeral, we're told stories about somebody who's no longer with us. But as we read God's word, we get stories about what God is like and he's still alive. He's very much alive and he's alive and active in the lives of people today. And so there's stories and stories, books and books could be written about what Jesus is doing in the lives of people in this church, in this town, in this nation, in this world. So Jesus is very much still alive. But John has decided to, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to record certain things for us. And why has he done that? In John chapter 20, verse 30, again, as John is starting to conclude the gospel, he, he says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why John has recorded this for us. That we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the coming rescuer. 
that he's the anointed one, that he's the saviour, that he's the son of God. And that by believing we might have life in his name. That's why we're studying the scriptures. That's why we open them up. That we might discover more of Jesus and his life for us. So with that in mind, let's turn to John 11. It's quite a long passage. So we're going to break it down into three. I'll read a little bit. We'll just uh, reflect on it and then we'll, we'll read the next part. You can follow along as, as I read. John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews, they tried to stone you and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that that I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay, let's pause there for a moment. Just let's consider the the atmosphere of what's going on as we read these verses. Maybe they're really familiar. Maybe they're totally new. But I want to suggest there's a real atmosphere of, of trouble and tension in these verses that we've read. Let's notice a few things. Verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. There's trouble, there's tension, there's difficulty for Lazarus because he's ill. When, when we're ill, life takes on a whole raft of other challenges that we don't experience when we're well. When we're well, the things that don't cost us anything the things that we just go about and do our normal things, suddenly when we're ill, become really difficult and hard work. Just think about it for a moment. Just You might get a strain in your neck, something really simple and trivial. And then through the the, the days as you've got it, you realise how often you turn your head quickly and you're reminded with with a pain in your neck. But there are illnesses which are far more serious. And they take a toll on us. They change how we live. They change how we operate. They they make a big difference in our lives. There's big challenges. Lazarus is ill. 
But there's also trouble and tension for others. There's trouble and tension for Mary and Martha. You know, when we're, when we're ill, when we're walking through difficult times, it doesn't just affect us. In fact, nothing just affects us. It affects those around us. When, when there's somebody who we love is poorly, it changes our life as well. It changes things. It doesn't matter what the football score is anymore. It doesn't, the things that used to kind of bother us or upset us don't cross our minds the same because this is happening. This, this, this is going off in the middle of our lives and it changes it all. There's trouble and tension for Mary and Martha. But there's also, there's also some trouble and tension going on here for Jesus and his disciples. So we, we kind of get that sense when Jesus says, okay, we're going back to Bethany. The disciples are, are, are puzzled by it, verse 8. Because, because if we just to look back in John's gospel, we'll see that the last time they were close to Jerusalem, people were so upset with Jesus. They were so angry with him. They were so irate at what he was saying. They were picking up stones in order to, to kill him. And that's not just a phrase, that's a reality. People were so, so angry with him that they were ready to take his life. Now, it wasn't his time, so, so it wasn't going to happen. But the disciples were understandably upset and, and nervous about the thought of going back to Jerusalem because they're going back very close. In fact, Thomas says, Thomas, known for his optimism, Thomas says, uh, as we finish, uh, let us go also that we may die with him. And, and I don't think he's been as facetious as that might sound. I think there's a genuine sense that this is a, quite a risk to go back to Jerusalem. But what is Jesus doing in all this? We want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to encounter who Jesus is. What's Jesus doing in this atmosphere of trouble and tension and pain and difficulty and distress? I want to suggest to you that Jesus knows what's going on. That Jesus knows. Jesus knows that when, they, when he's told that Lazarus is ill, he responds, verse 4, by saying, This sickness will not end in death. Jesus knows what's happening, he knows what's going on. And that isn't to say that there isn't mystery involved. Because he waits for two days before he goes to Lazarus. Now we can speculate as to why Jesus waited two days. We can perhaps come up with some good reasons when we know the rest of the story. But the truth is we're not told. We don't know. Jesus decides and it will be right. But there is mystery involved. Jesus knows. But that doesn't mean to say we know everything. Jesus knows. And then secondly, and importantly, I think John stresses in these verses that not only does Jesus know of the pain, the distress, the difficulty, but Jesus loves. Jesus loves Lazarus. He loves Mary and Martha. It's very interesting. Verse 3, when the sisters send word to him that, that Lazarus is poorly, that he's sick, it's interesting how they word it. They don't say, Lord... The one who, who follows you is ill. Lord, your friend is ill. Lord, the one who's done lots for you is ill. What do they say? They say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus, this is somebody who you love. 
And then in, in verse 5, we read John kind of really makes it plain for us when he says, Jesus, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. In the, in, the, in the difficulty and the strain and the, and the pressure and the pain of the situation, Jesus knows and he loves them. This is what Jesus is doing here. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had gone to Mary, uh, to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God, you will give what, uh, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives in believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who's come into the world. After she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with, G with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Let's pause there. Let's try and, 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 and live in these verses for a few moments and consider the atmosphere which we're in. We said in the previous bit there was, there was, there was trouble, there was tension, there was pressure. Here things have progressed and Lazarus has died and now the, the atmosphere is one of grief and sadness and, and, and that, that those emotions that we feel that we can't express with just words there's just real uh, sadness uh, in the air and I'm sure among the disciples there's as well as that there's a bit of tension I'm sure they're looking around looking over their shoulder every now and again, with how close they are to Jerusalem and the dangers there. The scene here is one of, of grief. Now, it's true, there's nothing new under the sun and that people are people. So people grieve as people grieve. But perhaps here, culturally, things would have looked and, and felt perhaps a little bit different than what we might experience today. 
there would have been a scene of, of a large crowd, lots of people, lots of, of wailing and crying. Um, really, there's no efficiency in the way this happens. It's, it's, it's just this big expression of emotion. In, in fact, often in, in funerals here, um, people would be paid to go and mourn alongside those who were grieving. It was a way to sort of honour those who'd passed. As, as, as this kind of outpouring of emotion. And, and, and what is noticeable is that Mary and Martha, who we know are quite different in temperament from other places in the Bible, react quite differently. And yet when they both meet Jesus, they say almost exactly the same thing. Verse 21, when Martha, goes, who goes out to see Jesus, said, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary, who stays at home and doesn't go out until later, says in verse 32, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. This is a time of of sadness, of reflection, of despair and of questions. Of questions of what's happening. And what is Jesus doing here? What is Jesus doing in the midst of the sadness and the despair and the questions? What's Jesus doing? Jesus is there. Jesus is there. He's right there in the middle of it. He's right there with Mary. He's right there with Martha. Jesus is there and he's talking to them. And and in this incredible conversation that he has, flowing out of sadness and grief, Jesus says these most remarkable words and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus is saying, with me there is life while you're alive and there's life after you die. There is life while you're alive and there is life after you die. And he speaks to these women with such dignity and respect and honour. As, as, as Martha goes to get Mary, she says, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. The teacher, a teacher, a rabbi would teach men, not women. And, and so there's this, this, this term of where Jesus, Martha says, The teacher is he, the one who teaches us, the one who sees us, the one who notices and recognises us. And Jesus is is moved by this this picture of grief. Let's just zoom out for a moment, remembering who Jesus is. Jesus is God the Son, the second member of the Godhead, the one who was there at the beginning, the one who created all things. And in him, all things hold together. The promised rescuer, the one who's come to save mankind, he is here. And as he sees what's going on, this the grief, the sadness, the pain, we read in verse 33, he's deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That, that, that phrase in Greek is very graphic. It, it, it's, this, it's this groan, this um, this involuntary um, kind of noise of, of, of pain. There's a sense of anger and indignation at what sin is doing, because sin brings death. The same word is used in other parts, uh, um, other sources in the Bible, uh, to use kind of a, 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 the, the snort that a horse makes. It's this kind of deep from within. 
this deep sense of indignation and anger at what sin does, at what death does, that it separates. It's something that was never part of the original plan. It wasn't part of of what life was going to be about. And now people are dealing with something that they were never intended to deal with. Separation and death like this. One commentator remarks as, as, uh, on this very phrase that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He says it's like a wrestler who's rolling up his sleeves before entering the ring. And, and Jesus is about to step in and, and to, to take on death in only a few days' time. It's probably well known that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, and we find it here in verse 35. God the Son, the promised rescuer, and he weeps at the side of the grave of his friend. No shame in that. Where is Jesus in this? He's there. He's talking with the people there. He's moved, and he weeps. To finish, the last few verses of uh, the account we'll look at today. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. And let him go. It's perhaps hard for us to envisage what the atmosphere is like in these verses. But it's a clear, it's one of the clearest signs that Jesus gives of just his, uh, his power and his authority over everything, even life and death. It's a remarkable moment. Somebody who's died when Jesus wasn't there, who's been buried for four days when Jesus wasn't there. Has, uh, even that four days is significant. Significant in the, in the sense that we know that you can't go without water for more than three days. Significant in the ancient world, as it was thought that after somebody died, the, the, their spirit hovered around them for three days until it saw the face starting to disfigure and then would leave. So just on, on lots of levels, there's significant things happening here. But as, as somebody's been in, in the grave for those four days, he's brought back to life. And it pictures all that Jesus is about. He's come to bring life where there is death. And he's going to do this for all people who will choose to follow him as only days later, he will give up his own life as he's killed on that cross The wrestler steps into the ring with death to take it on and defeat it forever. 
And it's an incredible thing. Jesus, one of real authority. I, I can't think that there'll be many people who would give the command to open the tomb and anyone would listen. Perhaps only Jesus. What do we find of Jesus in these verses? We find a Jesus who knows what's going on in our lives. He knows. We find a Jesus who loves in the midst of what's happening. He sees He knows, he loves. He's there, he talks with us and he's there for us to talk to him. He weeps as we weep. And a God who brings life where there is death. This is an incredible saviour that we have. I'm going to pray as uh, we close and the the folks are going to take their place on the stage because we'll sing a song uh, to finish our time. Let's uh, bow our heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the Bible that we have in our hands. A a revelation of of who you are. Father, we thank you that um, in it we find the living word. And Lord, we just saw amazed at your character and your nature. Lord, there's, there's mystery, there's things we don't always understand. But we see clearly that you know, that you see, that you walk with us. In fact, the, that, that by your spirit you come to live within those who know and love you, that you couldn't be any closer. And Father, I pray that we would know your comfort and strength, particularly, Father, for those who at the moment are passing through dark valleys. May we know your presence and care. May we know your protection and help. Father, we pray for each of us that we would know you as the resurrection and the life, that we would, that we would come to you and find that life while we were alive. And life after we die. In Jesus name. Amen.